stop mo hello stop mo hello stop mo welcome to hello stop mo an educational limited series created and hosted by me alexis dupre and me casey folan we are here to empower you with introductory knowledge of the stop motion industry to help reduce barriers of entry for newcomers as well as demystify how to navigate this career this podcast is made in partnership with Animation Wildcard and the Ink and Paint Folk podcast. Huzzah! Hello, stop mo. Hello, stop mo. Today on Hello, Stop Mo, we are going to chat about navigating hiatuses, continuing education, and creative fulfillment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lex, <laughs> what's a hiatus? Uh, they can be great and they can be sad. So here's how we keep them from being sad. Hiatuses. It's when you have a break from work that maybe you were planning for and maybe you weren't. Most of these jobs are project-based, so you tend to have layoffs at the end of a job, whether it's television, commercial, or film. So you need to be ready for that financially, emotionally. creatively. (laughs) Hiatus is like, you know, something we call like downtime um, or unemployment. But I think, you know, the term comes from, you know, larger film production when you, in theory, you have like you're an employee and then like you have like this scheduled break in the production pipeline because, you know, you're a specialist and they as a production isn't happening at that time. But, you know, the term kind of carries over into like stop motion, which is usually your project ends, <laughs> like your booking yeah. ends, um, but we call it a hiatus because the idea is that it's not the end. <laughs> no, it's not forever. It's just till your next mm-hmm. job. It's just a break. And I think the whole thing is that we're project-based. There are a few features. Even then, though, you're project-based and there's probably a break until the next big show. Right. And, you know, some some places are able to kind of keep you rolling, but, you know, there's not a ton of shops that are going to have that much work. Sure. And, you know, sometimes you want a break, too, so it can be a good thing. I agree with that statement, for sure. Definitely take a break when you can. But you want to be ready for it. But that means you need to plan for it, and you need to be ready for the financial tasks of being on hiatus. Yeah, it's definitely tougher at the beginning. Like, Mm entry-level positions are, you know, they're probably not going to pay that well. Um, Right. To be honest. So stretching that for however long is going to be hard. Yeah, and it's, you know, it goes into savings. It goes into, you know, financial Mm -hmm. wellness and management. And, you know, it's it's a very big topic, but we can give you some good highlights. Yeah, and some pointers because we've both been there. We've both had Mm -hmm. the entry-level jobs and the breaks and then eventually better paying jobs, but still have breaks. Mm -hmm. So it's really just trying to make yourself healthy financially so that way you can weather the storm. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, that work in stop motion, they have like these alternate revenue streams. Like some people Mm -hmm. are also teaching or they have side hustles or they have these second jobs or maybe they also work in film or, you know, other aspects of the entertainment industry so that... Meaning like live action, right? Yeah. Yeah. Live action. Or, or, you know, maybe they work in duty. Oh yeah. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of some other options for when you do have that downtime or what have you, but some people like they have, especially when they're just starting out and don't have as many connections. So that next job might not come as quickly. Like we have a friend who she 
works nights at a dog boarding place and she can keep that job going even you know when she has work in summer when she doesn't it's like a nights thing by meaning nights means like she sleeps there (laughs) she just sleeps there in case of like dog emergencies but also like you know some people are you know bartend on the weekends and have Mm -hmm. these other jobs that have like more flexible schedules or you know complementary schedules so that that's their consistent thing when they're just kind of getting their footing yeah obviously you don't have to work multiple jobs but it is an option and not for a long period of time but at least for in the beginning it might be helpful yeah and I think you know there's the other side of that which is budgeting so Mm -hmm. You want to get to a point where you do have savings so that yes, <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay when you have these breaks. And, you know, the thing that, you know, everybody always says is like, you want to have three to six months savings to fall back on. That's, I know that's asking a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> yeah, you know, early on, that's a lot, but it's like, okay, that's a goal. And then you think of, okay, what can I do with what I'm making right now? And maybe that's just... You know, you have a separate account and you automatically put $20 a week in that account. And then you have a little bit of a cushion. And then another like kind of goal along those lines of like these, you know, phrases that people toss around is this like 50, 30, 20 rule for budgeting. What does that mean, Casey? The 50, 30, 20 rule is 50% of your income after tax is going to essentials and 30% is going to your wants and 20% is going to your savings and your debts. And that's a good thing to to just keep in mind is that, you know, if you're coming out of school, mm. you probably have debt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you go about managing that? That's a whole big, long conversation. There's a lot of different strategies of how to contribute and pay off debt. And obviously, like, you know, getting to the point where 30% of your income is going to luxuries, you know, you're probably not going to be there right away. Definitely not. Certainly not in the beginning. I think... In the beginning, it was mostly like essentials and savings. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm going to shelve those things that I'd like for the moment. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, take a hard look at, you know, what is your money doing that does make your life better? Yeah. And, you know, see what you're getting the most bang for your buck with. I know in the very, very beginning too, when it was like super tight, I was doing like a CSA box for food where it was like, I was getting like 20 pounds of food for like 20 bucks. I was like fruits and veggies and I just really had to learn how to cook it all but it was great what is CSA oh it's like a farm share box okay I mean granted that was California so you know there was lots of produce but that really helped me save a ton of money on like groceries and stuff Mm -hmm. at that point because it was just I wasn't getting paid very much at that moment so really needed something to like keep me well fed but also like not break my bank yeah, the early days, you become a very resourceful cook. Very. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good because you kind of, you learn what you need and mm-hmm. you learn how much things can actually cost you versus, you know, later when maybe you don't have to pay as much attention. But that that helps you know, like, okay, my three to six month savings, like, it, this is the baseline. This is what I definitely need. Or like, if I had more, I could be more comfortable. But again, it's daunting to talk about money. But well, I think it's good that we touch on it. though. Yeah, yeah. And it's just if you're thinking about it, just start tracking, figure out what your current expenses are. That's like the main place to start with budgeting. 
like be aware and check in and don't be scared of your money. Like know, know where you're at and evaluate. Mm -hmm. All good points. I think that's a good place to leave budgeting. (laughs) I agree. Do your best. Forget the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Do what works for you. We've shared a little bit of what worked for us. That was my um, high school marching band slogan. But at the the end, it was uh, do your best, forget the rest, go band. <laughs> but it applies to life. Hello, stop mo. Hello, stop mo. Speaking of life and other nerdy things, uh-huh. <laughs> life after work. Yeah. So this is an extension of savings. Is the concept of saving for retirement, which is weird to think of when you're starting out. I have to say. Yeah, I don't picture myself even being 10 years older than I am right now, let alone like... It's hard. It's hard. I know. I know. When the, Whenever I hear like, I don't know, we just had like climate info come out and they're like 20, 50 or whatever. And I'm like, that's not a real, that's not a real date. Danger. <laughs> Danger year. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's okay. Planning for retirement and that the world's not going to implode is probably still helpful. Yeah. Just um, assume you're going to retire one day. And yeah. start to think about it. So in stop motion, like our benefits tend to not be like. Um, well, we're not full time employees, generally yeah. speaking. So it's very hard to find a full time job with a 401k and your health care and all of that rolled into your job. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. Have um, Have you ever yes. had a 401k job? in stop motion i did when i first started out but that's because i worked for a furniture company that was retail so it was right like we were doing stop motion for that retail company but they were you know a merchandise based place first and creative second so since leaving that job no i have not had a 401k though i have had healthcare on occasion Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about healthcare too. Mm-hmm. I had one, yeah, one job with a 401k and it was like stop motion adjacent. But right. I was like, just take my money. I know I'm never going to get this <laughs> 401k again. Which now is a rollover Roth IRA or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So there's these, um, the concept of an IRA, which is just a retirement account that you can set up on your own. So the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA is a Roth is you put money into it after tax now. And then traditional, um, you have more flexibility with that, but you can do a pre-tax dollar. So your money is taxed when you take it out at the end. So kind of deciding between the two, it's just like, am I, you kind of think about your current tax bracket. So if you think that when you're much older, you'll be making more money than you are now, you'll probably be taxed in a higher bracket. So it's most people go with a Roth IRA. But anyway, it's a way to save. You're not penalized for taking the money out unless it's like the the earnings tier. Oh. Yeah, it, it works out. And again, like these things will change over time. So like Google it whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> but it's, it's something to think about. Look into setting up an IRA for yourself once, you know, you stabilize a little bit and you have it's just kind of something that comes, you know, once you have that cushion. So you're no longer making an emergency fund. Now you can kind of do a little bit more future planning. If you are still paying off debts, it's still good to be looking at this because it's like, you know, your money's earning for you over time. And it takes time to do that earning. So even if you just put a little bit away in the beginning, it'll still grow a lot more if you start it when you're in your 20s than if you start in your 30s. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you think about it as early as you can, even if you don't necessarily get started, like you should be aware of it. The, the pro tip with all of this is the best way to save more money 
is to make more money. (laughs) (laughs) That means you must negotiate. And again, negotiating. It's hard. Whole big topic. The best I can say is always try. The worst Mm -hmm. that's going to happen is they're going to say no. And then you get what they offered you. You know, it's. Casey. Yes. What is a good way of negotiating? Say you got an offer. What is a good way of negotiating that offer? Like Mm. someone came at you and they're like, I want you to come on as a junior builder at $900 a week. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Then you would say, you know, I was expecting something more in the range of, you know, this to this. Um, I just have to ask, you know, is there any wiggle room in that number that you can offer? What would your range be if I, if I gave you the offer of 900? Would you say I would expect, wait, what did you say? Your, your answer was nice. I liked it. I, I didn't say a specific number. I said, you know, I was thinking of something more in the range of this to this. And, you know, that offer is probably going to be, you know, a little below your bottom there. Sure. <laughs> Just, you know, obviously know, know the role. Sometimes people are going to offer you like a fixed rate. Maybe a role has a fixed rate. And then that's great because now you, it does happen. Now you know, okay, everybody in this job is making the same amount of money. Like how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Which I do love, by the way. Right. But it's also like you want to know that you didn't leave any money on the table or that, you know, you're not being paid less than somebody doing the same work. Sure. And again, like I am a hiring manager sometimes. A lot of time I can't offer anymore. But it's good to ask. Yeah. It's good to ask because you're not being a jerk if you're just asking. And so, okay, so I guess my point was, Casey, yeah. if I'm going to say – I'm going to offer you $900. For me personally, I would probably counter with that lovely statement that you had. And your this to this would probably be like, I was thinking more like $950 to $1,000 or $1,000 to $1,050 or something like that. Just so that way it's like not something crazy. You're not asking for like $1,500, but you know, just something where it's like a bit more and maybe they can meet you there or somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something where like, if you've done your due diligence in negotiating, mm-hmm. you, you probably know what they're going to offer and you probably know what other people are making. Right. So you have context for this counter. It's not going to be like, you know, you're not going to be off the rails with what you're asking for. Right. And they're also starting it off more than likely. So yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Just be kind. Right. And like, think like, oh, I get, I get $50 <laughs> more a week that I wasn't expecting. Like maybe that goes into my emergency fund. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way. Or maybe the first week you go out to dinner and then after that. (laughs) Treat yourself the first week. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of this is like, it relates to most stop motion or actually right now all stop motion is non-union in the United States. These like base level things like, you know, what you make, it's not necessarily fixed or Mm -mm, what your benefits are. It's not a given. It's not a given. Yeah. Um, And that leads into healthcare. So if you work at a company that's a certain size, like big enough in Mm -hmm. our state, you know, at a certain point they're required to offer health insurance, but you kind of have to work for 90 days. And if you're project-based, then you roll off. It can be a little bit hairy trying to stick with a company that is probably going to lay you off within nine months, especially Mm -hmm. if you want like consistent healthcare and consistent doctors and stuff like that, which, you know, I think most people do. Yeah. Especially like if you have a health condition, like you gotta Mm -hmm. be on it, on it. But you know, when you're young and healthy and new. Yeah. It might be all right to like start and stop a little bit, but it is, it can be a little disjointing. Mm -hmm. So I know I definitely use covered California. I Mm -hmm. use the marketplace for my healthcare at a certain point because 
I had been laid off, I think twice. And I was frustrated by that. So I just said, ah, forget it. I'm just going to find it on my own. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I mean, I've, I've been independent through the marketplace since I was off my, my family's insurance, which like very fortunate of me that I was able to stay on till I got too old. But again, just so you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to be aware. Yeah. When you're negotiating, like you need to know what the benefits are and if mm-hmm. you'll get healthcare from it. And if not, you're probably going to be paying for your own healthcare. So you should think about factoring that into your budget as well. Right. Yeah. And your income level, if you're going through the marketplace, affects how much your healthcare costs. Because you could get subsidies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're if you're at a low income tier, generally a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe when you're listening in the future, <laughs> we will have national healthcare and you'll be like, mm, I can skip ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Wishful thinking, but maybe, hopefully. Yeah, and that's something to think about. Like, at the end of a job, if you are on their health insurance, like, it kind of, you can keep, you can pay into that same insurance, but it tends to be more expensive. In California, it's a thing called It's, like, crazy more expensive. Yeah. So then, that's, like, a qualifying life event, so you can change your health care and go to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. But then, the other side of that, too, is, like, okay, if you're ending a job, and it was a W-2 job, so you were a formal employee. There's unemployment insurance. Highly, highly recommend for those <laughs> yeah. of us who wind up on hiatus. Yeah, it's not something to be embarrassed about. Nope. It's like, I remember telling my dad, I was like, okay, well, my job's ending. I have to apply for unemployment. And he's like, I've never in my whole life. <laughs> and <I'm laughs> You're like, like, well, I would like to eat tomorrow, so. No, it's. It is, you have paid into mm-hmm. unemployment as an employee in a certain state. And again, how much you get varies, varies. So it depends on what state you're in. Mm-hmm. Depends on how much money you've made also. What you were earning before. Right. Yeah. And it usually, like, you're not going to replace your full income unless it's like COVID um, times. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That, I mean, that's an exceptional Event. I know. I feel like I haven't mentioned it. Um. <laughs> but I'm sure actually people are more familiar with unemployment insurance at this point. So yeah, I think yeah. maybe the stigma has been removed. Mm-hmm. But I would say for those of you who maybe haven't gone through that process, even with COVID, that just having record of what your earnings were for the last, I think it's like 18. four or five, six quarters. Uh, 18 18 months months. yeah okay so but they're gonna do it in quarters so you need to know what your earnings were for each quarter for 18 months so I think that's six quarters it's just useful for me I like to group my pay studs by quarter so that way I can tally them very quickly I keep the paper copy just for this purpose Mm -hmm. yeah and then that makes that helps it does help because then you can just quickly fill out that information uh, when you do get laid off and you have record of it very quickly. I think I've only applied for unemployment insurance like twice, and I've been working in this for like almost 10 years now, mm-hmm. but it is still very useful to be up to date on everything. So that way you can you can do it quickly when you need to. Yeah, it is you, you want to apply right away at the end of your job because it takes like a week or two. It obviously it takes a couple weeks to, yeah, to process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just, so you know, if you're an independent contractor, 
um, again, different during COVID times. So an independent contractor is not technically an employee. So you're paying your own taxes. Mm, good to know. So you get all the money. And then, you know, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, you pay your own taxes. Whereas if you were an employee, your employer is paying, taking that out of what you get. But typically you don't qualify for unemployment insurance because technically you were self-employed. Something to know. But also if you leave a job voluntarily, you don't qualify so you want your job to end versus um, quitting true I mean I wonder if any of this stuff could also change in the future now after the COVID the COVID (laughs) I was gonna gonna say something other than the COVID but since you know all of this wrangling and changing and stuff that's had to happen just to accommodate Mm. everything that's crashed around us maybe things will adjust to be a little bit easier in the future especially for folks who are contract based yes yes unemployment insurance is a thing you should know about it Mm -hmm. and useful don't be embarrassed Uh, also keep up with it yeah don't be embarrassed it's like it's kind of part of the gig unfortunately and i wish somebody had talked to me about it before i graduated agreed agreed (laughs) because the panic is real guys it's real 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 when it just like no one will be panicking after listening to this podcast. Yeah, no. And once you do it, you know, the one time it's a lot easier after that. If you're ending a job, like, and you have the opportunity, like, meet with HR and, like, get whatever paperwork or whatever. Because it, it can help it go faster. And usually they give it to you in your exit interview or whatever, yeah. depending on how big your company is you're working at. Yeah, a bigger shop will do it. Um, If a smaller shop, you might just want to, like, get an email or something <laughs> that says your job is ending. <laughs> good, point. good point. Okay, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. All, all of these are good points. Um, I hope y'all are taking notes. Um, Nobody told us this stuff. No. And it's stuff that, you know, you've just learned by going through the fire. So now hopefully you guys don't have to go through the fire also. Hello, stop. Hello, stop mo. Okay, well, now's the fun part of hiatus, though. Yeah, yeah. There can be a good side to hiatus, which is beneficial because you give yourself kind of a creative brain break in some ways because you're not working for somebody you can change the script and do things for yourself yes so I mean I think there's kind of like two schools of thought with this that we can talk about is that creative fields are unique in that you know a lot of us don't feel completely satisfied and our create on demand jobs are like our day jobs and we feel that we need to keep making work of our own too Mm-hmm. But like that can also be exhausting. Yeah, preaching in the choir. <laughs> well, there are a lot of fields that like you have to like keep up your certification, mm-hmm. and like that's kind of comparable. Okay, yeah, I think that's true. But you're not gonna like they're not gonna like go home and like keep accounting for their portfolio. Like, right, right, <laughs> right. so you can kind of you know be working towards like kind of fully integrating this creative life. So you're bringing your artistic self into these like other areas of your life or there's some people who really want to you know have that separation like okay this is what I do for work when I go home I cook dinner and I like ride horses or uh, like I don't know what's another hobby <laughs> I don't that know. is That's like a great more hobby. attainable than riding horses well whatever whatever your hobby is mm-hmm. if, if you've decided that your creative life is your your work life and not your outside life that's yeah. totally awesome yeah and I think I Picking a ho- saying hobby, I just totally was like, oh, look at my privilege. Um, wow. A lot of people have to care for others sure. when they go home from work. and that But also be... making time for yourself yes. is pretty critical before you can care for others. Mm-hmm. So 
hobby can also just be whatever your self-care preferences are, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So I think, I guess first we'll talk about more of that, like, okay, I have a hiatus. This is a great opportunity for me to do that project that I feel like I need to do to feel like fulfilled. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or you just haven't you need to scratch. Sometimes that's the case. You just mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, I have this idea and I got to get it out. Totally. And it's like your industry job is pretty specific. You're doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. If you're at a bigger shop, you're like doing like one or two. A smaller part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it can be such an opportunity to like do that project or to seek out like, okay, I want to learn something. I want to advance in my career, but I, I'm not really learning anything in my day job right now. And it's like, once you're hired, like it's, it's not their job to like make sure that you're continuously improving and, and learning the next thing. And yeah, that you're being challenged yeah. all the time. So this is an opportunity to like seek that out if you want to maybe find a class or, you know, a independent project can be a really good way to do that too. Yeah, independent or partner up with a friend or, you know, there's a lot of different routes you can go to just like pushing yourself into a new idea or mm-hmm. something that you want to work on. Yeah, and that's like... I think that's part of it is, again, uh, there's a financial side of being ready for your hiatuses, but it's also, like, uh, your mental side of being ready Mm -hmm. of, like, you are queued up. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, are you keeping track of your ideas? Like, do you have systems in place so that you don't – this is something, like, I used to do – when I was younger, you know, your school ends or whatever your routine was ends, and it's just, like – Free time. Um, I just like I I can't even get off the couch. Like I don't I don't have anything to do. <laughs> no, I get that. I think actually mm-hmm. that's more for me. It's more of a mental health challenge than it is just I don't know what to do. I, like I feel like there's a sense of uh, just sadness sometimes when a job ends too. So I think you know having this preparation that you're talking about, Casey, is kind of helpful because. Either you have something you immediately want to get going on, so that way you don't have time to just sit and dwell on the fact that like a project ends, which can mm-hmm. just be sad on its own because it means you're not like, you know, around the people that you really like all the time anymore. Your source of income has stopped for a little bit. You know, sometimes that can, if you sit in that for too long, other invading thoughts can come in that are really not welcome and aren't good for you to like get through to the next job. So it is kind of good to kind of be prepared in that way as well Mm -hmm. yeah you have like your own routine or your own interests to fall back into and Mm -hmm. what do you like to do again like you kind of have to take that time like Lex is saying like it's it's real like you can get sad um (laughs) real sad I've gotten so sad yeah I mean hopefully you like your job and you miss it when it's over yes (laughs) and you miss your people because you find your people yeah there's a camaraderie and a community that longer productions it is super jarring when it's over yeah and you know sometimes you all get together and have like a sad meal together <laughs> <or something, laughs> which oh, i've had terrible Casey. I've had many, well it's just like you know it's like quiet and you're all together and it obviously like COVID is different. you guys <laughs> but like you can still hang out with them all their jobs just ended too like you can just hang out if you want um (laughs) and make stuff or not or you can do that thing you've been talking about at work for the last six months and you can finally do that thing yeah yeah. whatever it is yeah Um, go for for a hike (laughs) go to the gardens oh yeah oh go to the beach we we just want to go do stuff (laughs) yeah i don't know i guess this this closet that i'm recording in doesn't feel so fun right now (laughs) (laughs) 
You gave away the secret, Casey. I know. I'm sorry. Um, we're professional podcasters. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. clearly in a studio. Yes. Continue. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I just came back from surfing because I live in LA. Um, just kidding. Oh, you're so far away from the beach. Okay, anyway, continuing on. We're, we are prepared for our hiatus. So, yeah. so you what have to... we done to prepare for our hiatus? So probably you have like a way to keep track of your ideas when they come into your head. I use Asana, just like the free version. What is Asana? So that's like an app and it's like a project managing app. And it's I think I just got into it because one of my first internships was like, oh, we're going to manage you in Asana. And then I was like, oh, I can totally like <laughs> get a free version and just make a bunch of lists and stuff. But it's also it's kind of like Trello or, you know, all these things that people use. There's Evernote. You can keep notes in. But I think the most successful way is like a journal or a sketchbook or Mm -hmm. notes app on your phone. I also just keep a huge, long running notes column on my iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Notes app on your phone for sure. And it's like. So many notes. (laughs) If if you're a sticky note person, just like, just take a picture of it, please. Please take a picture of it. I have way (laughs) too many sticky notes. I should not keep, I'm glad I do not keep track of ideas on sticky notes because I already have a cloud of sticky notes I'm looking at right now. That's just like my to-do list. Yeah. Or like, you know, go through them every once in a while and put them in a journal. Like, (laughs) just don't. Anyway, moving on. So keep note of what it is you're interested in, what you like to do and any fun ideas that you've had. That's a really great way of just getting going. Yeah. And we kind of talked about like, so you can do personal projects that are like wholly separate from your career and they mm-hmm. have value and they're important. Or you mm-hmm. can, you know, do something that helps you kind of level up in your career. So in personal projects that are like completely unrelated, it could be like you just really want to do a painting or for me, I took a glass class. Mm-hmm. I took a tiny lamp working class for bead working. And I was like, maybe one day I can figure out how to make tiny glass vases for stop motion. But that really wasn't my entire like, like motivation for doing it. I just wanted to play with glass. <laughs> it is like the least efficient. So not efficient. So not Form efficient. But it was really fun. And I was so burnt out. And I really, really, really needed to do something creative where I was a beginner again. And that was very privileged but also very useful. And I'm sure there are plenty of other things that oh, you, know, yeah. you can do in another way. And I've actually taken like subsidized classes before too mm-hmm. through, there was like a grants program in California. So folks in the entertainment and creative industries could continue to advance their creative fields. Mm-hmm. So I've yeah. taken classes through that too, where you're just like even learning a program. And that's actually something that we didn't mention is that like, if you're at a big, big studio, like they might have classes available that you can take and continue education but a lot of them that are smaller don't have that resource so in california if your studio doesn't offer classes then usually you can go through studio arts and take some classes and that's where my grant was through there's like something to note about grant-based courses is that like nobody in the classes has like skin in the game if they're all free right so it's just a different environment to like you know well it's not exactly like a 
I think some of those classes are creative, but I'd say most of them are technical. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is the point. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you're really there to like learn the technical skill. Like I went to take like a ZBrush class. So I just really was there to learn the program and like what the tools could do. We weren't really talking about like art specifically, other than just like how to morph these shapes or connect them or like keep them separate, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there, that is like, you know, traditionally that is what continuing education is. It's like, this is how you keep your degree or whatever your education is like up to date Mm -hmm. which is like keeping up with technology advances or like I don't I'm not sure what the equivalent would be for for what we're doing but yeah what if there's a new software that you're using um you could be taking classes with that or you could be oh like take something that has to do with VR because there's like stop motion VR now yeah (laughs) there's there's cool stuff that you could do or you know there's also the side of it that you know, maybe you're not taking the time to do a personal project. Maybe you're job hunting or yeah. you're doing both. And it's just good to note, like, the time to be making your portfolio is not after your job is over. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't say that I really make work while I'm working, though. That's me personally. I also understand that. Right. I think what I mean more is, like, you're documenting your progress as you go mm-hmm. and you're you know you're aware like okay these shows aren't in my portfolio yet and I've worked on them and I have an yeah. idea of like oh I remember when I made that thing that was like probably could be a portfolio piece or something so that's a good point you have like these systems that you've maintained you're not starting from scratch is what I'm saying right sorry I was totally not with you at the beginning of this and <laughs> no, it's okay your portfolio pieces are coming from the projects you just worked on. So make sure you take photos, you know, legally of the things that you've worked on mm-hmm. and in progress. So that way you can share that when that thing finally airs and, you know, and you have clearance to do so because that's a super critical thing. And you can really mess up if you post things before they're live. So don't do that. But those are the ways that you get other jobs. Yeah. Even if anything is live, just always run it by whoever mm-hmm. at the studio you were at before you post Absolutely. It. Even if it's behind the scenes. Because, like, I've had clients that are like, Whoa. We're a st- we only show finished work. And yeah, I have you just posted, too. like, the guts of a puppet. And we don't like it. <laughs> like, no one needed to know behind the curtain on that. But... It's honestly, it's usually fine. Well, I mean, it's useful for like getting your next job kind of thing, but they're not the things you put up for public. Yeah, there's a private portfolio versus a public portfolio, and it's just good to double check. Now, if you're doing like personal portfolio stuff, hiatus is the time that I do that kind of stuff. I definitely do not do that while I'm working because all of my creative energy goes into my job. That's like, I have nothing left when I'm done uh, at the end of the day. And that's okay. If I want creative energy, it happens between jobs for the most part for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually do a lot of growth during those times too. I've looked back on it over the years and like those are times where I'm like, wow, my drawings shifted so much from like this year to this year just because I took a giant break and then came back with a bunch of new stuff that I learned while I was working. Yeah. I mean, there is value to what you do for work. There is. <laughs> and it's like weirdly like clear (laughs) when you get to it you're like oh wow Mm -hmm. I did a lot yay me yeah and that's also it's kind of like there's a fun side of updating your portfolio too it's like Mm -hmm. you know after a few years you're like oh 
look at all this stuff I did, especially if you've been working on like short form. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Those stack up so quickly because you can do a lot in a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I got super lucky when I first got started. I was like on all these short projects. So my portfolio like was beefy. It looked good fast because it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just so many projects, you know. I'm sure I would crit the heck out of it now, but whatever. No, uh, no. Be kind to your early self. I like leaving up, I, honestly, like I like leaving up a legacy of where things started because also, oh, folks who are listening, it is good to see where people started and where they end up because like you don't just come out fully formed out of school no way. I've not really seen anybody who's like that. Everyone evolves in some way. Mm-hmm. So even if you, you know, you don't have like a ton of skills right when you get out the gate, like they're going to build over time as long as you're putting in the time. And I think that's something that's like really critical because like to just note because nobody looks amazing right away. And and if they do, it's because maybe they put in all those hours before they graduated or something. But I wasn't fortunate enough to do that before graduation. I did all of it like really after graduation for the most part. Yeah. I mean, you're going to learn on the job. Yeah. You just got to get the first job. That's all. Like, <laughs> And then you're, you're really just going to keep going up that steady hill. Yeah. It takes a while, but mm-hmm. you'll get there. Totally. And I think another point of like, just being ready for your hiatus is like kind of thinking about having a workspace because a lot of people work established Mm. and have like you know a tactile trade and that's just something that like oh if you're moving into a new place or something and you have the opportunity to a lot of times if you're moving to somewhere like LA or an industry hub you're you're not bringing much with you Mm -mm. so it's kind of an opportunity to just be like okay I know I'm gonna have time off eventually Mm -hmm. like maybe the desk that I have is convertible into an animation table or yeah yeah, or like what can we do to you know make this like the least path of resistance later so like the shelves that you buy maybe they can be converted into a down shooter or you you're gonna buy curtains like are they are they blackout blackout curtain yeah that would be really nice if they were yeah (laughs) (laughs) two birds one stone do it Mm -hmm. yeah or like if you're looking at places and it's like you know, a lot of us live in apartments. Mm-hmm. Totally cool, but we're probably not on the ground floor with the concrete uh, floor that's really nice for stop motion. But like, you know, maybe you're in a place that doesn't have wall to wall carpeting and it makes it easier to like glue your tripod down to some tape. Just things to be thinking about. Tape, tape, use the tape. Use the tape, but it is hard on carpet. Like, yeah, don't do it on carpet. Carpet's kind of miserable. We definitely shot things on carpet before, but I would not recommend it. No, I mean, I. Nobody tell my old landlord, but I pulled out the carpet in my old apartment and put <gasps> it back. I put it oh back. Oh my gosh, you're crazy. I mean, to be fair, I can only spare a closet. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fine. Or I my like, studio. That's so. so intense. That's so intense. Though I feel like that is sort of... <laughs> I've made so many animation spaces in the last year alone just from being stuck at home and then changing locations and then trying to find a room that makes sense to be an animation space. So speaking from experience, home studio, once you dial it in, it's great, but it it does, it takes a lot of effort to get there. So keep it in mind when you're setting your space up and hopefully you just already have a plan. Yeah. It's easier to, if you think about it before you, you know, I don't know, buy a bunch of stuff you don't need or 
are super <laughs> thrifty and like just end up you know it's it's nice to, to think about these things mm-hmm. but I mean I guess there's more there's more that we could talk about about like avoiding burnout like as, mm-hmm. as far as like you're gung-ho for making your own projects like it's important to take care of yourself yes well I think we touched on it a little bit with like mm-hmm. the sadness that can happen after a project but also just the tiredness that like contributes to that sadness can also be a huge part of this like burnout because you just went like you ran a marathon at a sprint pace probably is usually how it goes yeah or I mean at the end like it's usually pretty Mm -hmm. pretty like I always (laughs) my comparison is like I just ran off a cliff like I (laughs) I ran as (laughs) No, it's like I'm jogging the whole time and then like there's the finish line and I like run as fast as fast as I can. <laughs> and then it's like there's no more track after that. Oh, oh, so you like have no way to just like slow down. You just like uh, insta stop. Yeah, I you're just like running and there's a lot of air around you. Ugh, I don't like that idea. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. I mean, I, I mainly just cuz it feels like sort of right but wrong. No, but like what if instead of running off a cliff like you took a vacation yeah and you like had it scheduled and you like visited your family Mm -hmm. that's far away and now that at least right now we can visit people kind of family or maybe something depending on your family could also (laughs) just be something fun for you (laughs) yeah or like take a camping trip or like do something totally different and that Mm -hmm. like you're out of your element, but like on purpose. And in a space that makes you feel good and that like you want to be surrounded by. So if that's nature, go to nature. If it's like, you know, a different city with like a different culture scene, go for that. Like something that just feeds you in a creative way or even just like in a soulful way. Your personal life. Yeah. <laughs> your creative soul, right, Casey? Your creative soul. Yeah. We could get so woo-woo. I mean, (laughs) it's important. You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Think about what, you know, fills your cup, quote unquote. And, you know, sometimes that can be like volunteering. Now that you have time, like how can you use it differently in a way that feels really good Mm -hmm. and that does good? Or maybe, you know, you have these skills and you want to work on them, but you know, not, I'm not saying do unpaid work, but I'm saying maybe you donate your skills to as a form of volunteering. Oh yeah. I think that's really nice to like a nonprofit or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say like only to a nonprofit. Nobody feels gross about doing something like that Mm -hmm. because they're usually very grateful for anything also. It's a form of volunteering, but it's also like, it's kind of like a bang for your buck kind of thing. Like you're really good at this thing. You're a specialist. And yeah. if you're helping someone with your specialized skill, like that has a lot of value. Like it's, it's like, um, you know, somebody can do a drawing in 10 minutes and they're like a, a, a super advanced artist and, you know, charge however much for that. And they're like, Oh no, it's not worth that much. You just did in that amount of time. And you're like, no, it took me a lifetime to be able to do this in that 10 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When I say like bang for your buck, it's like you have something of value which you think about when you are negotiating. But also, you know, if you are someone that's interested in donating your skills, like you can feel good about that. That's huge. 
Also, I think that's a really nice way to think about your time off too, is just, and in terms of like, you have value, because you know, when we hit the sadness, we immediately think we don't have the value anymore, because we're never going to get work and all the things are going bad and all the bad thoughts are coming in. But actually, in this instance, by (laughs) the volunteering and being like, I have these skills, I am that good, I can donate them and, and it'd be really helpful for you, like, it's it also kind of balances that out too you as a person are valuable even if someone is not paying you for the skill that is you know thought of as valuable your uh, achievement and your goodness as a person doesn't change when you don't have work thanks Casey (laughs) I mean that wasn't for me but also you know (laughs) It's for me and everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I struggle with it. That's the pep talk we all need. <laughs> I find achievement and like personhood in my skills. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me when. When they're gone. When they're gone or yes. that community or that like feedback loop goes away. It's it's really hard. There's more to you as a person. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I think Agreed. that's a good, I think that's maybe a good wrap it up moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, otherwise we're both going to start sobbing. So <laughs> pretty much we're talking about navigating hiatuses by planning for them, which mm-hmm. includes mental health, budgeting and saving, continuing your education, and making space for creative and personal fulfillment and wellness. And by wellness, we literally mean your mental health. And, you know, maybe your physical health. Maybe, you know, that can go hand in hand, too. We didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> okay, fine. We can edit that out. No. But that's a good point. <laughs> no. Um, when you go on vacation, go for a run. <laughs> okay. There you go. We've covered it now. So that can be part of yeah. our conclusion. I didn't just add a topic in the conclusion. <laughs> no. I mean, I think we meant it with wellness. You got it. We got it. Yep. I did it. Great. Go for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Go forth. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Hello Stop Mo. Yay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the educational limited series, Hello Stop Mo, made in partnership with Animation Wildcard and the Ink and Paint Folk podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for any additional resources mentioned in this episode. And please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Thanks to Ellen Coons and Lee Young for the music in this episode. This series is created and hosted by me, Alexis Dupre. And me, Casey Follin. And produced by me, Cassie Soliday. To learn more about the people behind this podcast, find us online. You can find me, Casey Follin, at CatalystCastleStudios.com or at CatalystCastleStudios on Instagram. You can find me, Alexis Dupre, at Threadwood.com or at underscore Threadwood on Instagram and at Threadwood on TikTok. And you could find me, Cassie Soliday, at Cassassi.com or at Cassie Soliday on Instagram and Twitter. You can find out more about the partners behind this podcast at AnimationWildcard.com and at AnimationWildcard on Instagram and YouTube. And the Ink and Paint Folk podcast is wherever you listen to podcasts and at Ink and Paint Folk on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Hello Stop Mo. Bye. Bye. Hello Stop Mo. Hello Stop Mo.